Overnight, Google officially announced that it achieved quantum supremacy. What the heck is that? Well, um, it deals with quantum computing. I think um, we should allow Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to explain it to us like he did so many years ago. Normal computers work uh, either there's power going through a wire or not. It's one or a zero. They're binary systems. Uh, what quantum states allow for is much more complex information to be encoded into a single bit. Regular computer bit is either a one or a zero, on or off. A quantum state can be much more complex than that because, as we know, uh, things can be both particle and wave at the same time, and the uncertainty around quantum uh, states uh, allows us to encode more information into a much uh, smaller computer. So uh, that's what's exciting about quantum computing, and that's what we're going I don't know if that cleared anything up for anybody, but Adam Oldfield is our 640 Toronto tech expert, and he knows a lot about this sort of thing. Adam, did the Prime Minister get it right? Is that quantum computing? Uh, no, but that's almost like taking your entire steak dinner with vegetables and dessert, putting it into a blender, and then calling it a delicious meal. So he did throw bits of accuracy into it, but mm-hmm. then he kind of mushed it all together with a bit of a uh, I'm not sure he's going on about like uh, waves and pharmas and quantums and everything else. I mean, it, he's correct. Ones and zeros where it goes linear is correct. It doesn't do it in a linear format. So in a path of which computers operate now, it goes in a sort of function. So you send an email, it goes in a path of, you know, who are you sending it to? What is the message? The message is then checking the server. And then it, so the difference between that, which is a one and zero, which uh, our prime minister spoke to, different from a quantum, is that it's moving in multiple paths at all the same time. So when you're sending an email in this case, uh, as opposed to it checking in sequence, it will more or less already know who who the uh, recipient is, identify when they're going to open the email, and do it all in the exact same moment. So it's moving in multiple ways and multiple uh, directions at the same time. So that's the main difference between quantum. It's, it's, It's... several paths all act in action. I don't know about quantum waves and, and, and other ways, uh, del- uh, descriptions he was going through. I'm not clear on that. But ones and zeros, he was correct. It sounds omnipresent. Very omnipresent, yes, correct. And in that, I mean, when we look at what quantum can do, I think what he's, he's excited about it. I hope I, I'm just as excited, but I don't know if he understands the level of what the excitement of quantum computing can be. Um, they were claiming that the year 2023, we would be lucky if we hit 50 qubits. Um, qubit is one quantum uh, uh, function at a time. Um, we're already hitting almost 100 uh, uh, qubits. So, meaning that when, when Google made some announcement, uh, it was a theory about a month ago, it was announced with their paper about a week ago, and it's being challenged, by the way, Kelly. So, this is not something we could sit back and go, wow, we just discovered how to create C3PO. We now, are, we now have Star Trek with, with uh, data, and now we have the uh, solution to the world's problems right here. So how will it how will it be able to apply uh, in a practical way to our lives quantum uh, computing? Well, in several ways. The first one, I think, in the medical health field is going to be the biggest one. They're going to be able to analyze instantly when they come up with a compound or a chemical for uh, medical research or they feel they have a cure. Um, What it will do is it will bypass years and years of testing. It will allow for that test to bring out outcomes of of actual results. So in the case of, say, we wanted uh, this compound we've created, we'll be able to cure breast cancer. In this computing algorithm, it will instantly 
instantly be able to bring out scenarios of side effects. What are the uh, uh, percentages of, of, of how it will impact certain people with certain uh, DNA uh, structures um, every, in seconds? Not years, not in four years, we're going to go back, we're going to check the lab, we're going to do some testing, we're going to do some clinical research, we're going to launch it. All of that is going to be removed and done in seconds. That's one element. The other one is on uh, the economic side. Uh, a quantum computer on economics is going to be able to run variables in multiple ways. I mean, we looked at what happened years ago with Facebook and Analytica. In that case, quantum computing would have been able to take all the data within Facebook analyze everyone's actions, who they are, what they like, what they do, do they have a puppy dog, do they have a cat, and within seconds be able to tell a politician um, that their message needs to be targeted towards this uh, directive. We need to now target millennials, you need to be speaking about climate change, you need to target specifically pipelines, that is your direct message, you will receive an 80% vote of populace base, and that's going to happen again in seconds, equal to you checking on your calculator would be the results you'd be looking for. Wow. And so in the future, I guess, you know, elections can be even more disingenuous than they are now. It will be 100%. I mean, and again, it's based on data. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, that's part of where we look at this, this, what are we doing with our data? Who's capturing and what is it being used for? In some cases, it's good. I just told you the, the medical reason and, of course, the economic reason and political reason. That's, that's obviously good. Another good area of, of the algorithm support would be in our world of where we're driving. I mean, um, transportation is going to be a massive benefit when it comes to quantum computing. We'll be able to identify within seconds of cars being able to realize how fast they should go, when they should turn, is there a traffic jam, when is there an accident, when should it slow down, where's the best path of uh, uh, action to take place. So that is capable of being, and that's a benefit, the negative, and that's all wonderful news, yay, quantum computing, it saved the world. On the other side, there's a negative effect. In the wrong hands, they'll be able to analyze from a terrorist perspective instantly how governments will react, how will authorities respond, what kind of damage and what kind of impact would uh, a nuclear uh, explosion take? What would All of this is also capable of being uh, uh, developed and, I guess, uh, uh, answered for people with the wrong mindset of what to do with this technology. But how uh, close are we to actually using this technology in the ways that you have already illustrated? Well, based on the fact that we're already five years ahead and we've already hit 50 qubits, according to Google, I wasn't there watching the system happen, but if Google did achieve that, um, I know that IBM supercomputer can do it with 17 qubits, and that was a milestone. Um, Google's announcement is, qu is quite revolutionary. I mean, they doubled in less than two years the capability of IBM. And using what I've already described to you, 50 qubits, is that's very powerful. Like, I mean, in the, again, in the wrong hands, it's going to do a lot of damage. In, a lot of, in the good hands, in the proper research and otherwise, it could be an absolute turning point because remember, we just created something that's smart. That means it's going to be able to, uh, uh, from artificial intelligence, from virtual reality, the, the, the quantum computer will be able to develop itself even better. So think of it as a self-improving. Right. Um, it, it's like it's working to improve itself. So we got the 50 qubits. We're probably going to be at 150 qubits within a matter of a year and a half. And that 150 qubits is where I'm going to be d explaining to you uh, that whole 
medical situation, it could, you know, it could tell us how to fly to Mars and be able to create the ability of time travel. In fact, with only two qubits, it calculated the ability to go back in time by half a millisecond. It, it calculated the ability to do that. It's a game changer. It could change our whole reality and the way we, we uh, conduct ourselves. Absolutely. And wow. this is why, I mean, when we're talking time travel, this is like back to the future stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about uh, Google for a second in a different way. Uh, there's a story that I, I was asking the listenership about, a little conversation we were having earlier on about uh, the fact that the VP of Google says that it'd be nice if their home systems could kind of identify that they're recording and maybe we are morally obligated to tell people when they come into our house if we've got it all wire, wired up and if it's possibly listening to us. Do you think we have a moral obligation to tell people if you've got a smart system running in your house? I'm going to say this very clearly and very simply. You are being recorded if there is internet connected to the house and there is any device with a camera or a microphone. So to morally say, I have this, I, you are being recorded or possibly recorded, it's, it's irrelevant. It's, 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 it is a fact. Um, we've announced that many times, uh, I know on, on AM640, that our Google Homes are listening, our Alexas are listening, our smartphones are listening. We've given it permission to constantly listen. I wouldn't be worried about walking into somebody's home thinking, well, they may have a recording or a visual uh, uh, device watching me. It's already recording us. It's already listening. We are at, if you're connected to the Internet and you have a microphone or a camera attached to your hip or somewhere in the house, that could be a Nest, uh, meaning a thermostat. It could be your alarm system. It could be your smart TV. It does not matter. Any one of those are going to be listening to us. So with that said, I guess it kind of is redundant. Hey, um, welcome to my home. There's mm-hmm. going to be oxygen in this air and in, in the air. So um, we do have dust, and there might be an opportunity. There might be some critters. I mean, it's. It, it's a fact. We have to accept that this is our reality now, and we are being recorded all the time. All right. Well, let's talk about the fact that everything has to be smart. You, you might find yourself at a grocery store pushing along a dumb grocery cart uh, later on this afternoon, but Sobeys has unveiled Canada's first smart grocery cart. It is basically, uh, looks it looks similar to a cart. It's a little more decked out, though. Where the, the child seat would have been, there is now a display monitor, sort of like a self-checkout. You've got your credit card machine, your credit card reader there, and there's a scale at the bottom of the cart. So so that you can put your groceries in and it will know by how much the weight has changed and what item you're putting in to charge it to your uh, your bill. And so you won't have to check out anymore. You're actually doing it with the cart. What do you think? Do you think this is going to catch on or do you think this is kind of when you talk about quantum computing, is this uh, progress that is just going to be obsolete in no time? I would say this is equivalent to announcing that the BlackBerry Torch phone is now on the market. It is a technology that's cool. I think it's got some pretty neat elements to it, but it's a bit outdated. Um, it's, this, is a, this is me opinionated, you know, obviously, because I'm seeing what Amazon's doing, and they're already licensing their walk into the store, walk out of it, and you don't even need the smart cart. Um, it's already pre-built within, the, uh, within your phone, within, within the cart, within the carry carts and otherwise. So I think it's great that Sobeys and technology in Canada is evolving, and the ability of what it's capable of doing is it a game changer. Um, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a little bit late if this was two years ago, I'd be like, wow, that's pretty revolutionary. Yeah, I could see the grocery market seeing that as an advantage. Um, I, 
I think the reality is that it is going they keep saying that it's not a job killer. Um, it is going to kill jobs. I don't think the, the message they're portraying is we're going to be able to offer customers more value, more customer mm-hmm. service. That's not true. Um, you know, what it is is an efficiency thing. I mean, as a small business owner and I'm an entrepreneurial love passion guy, technology and what I see Sobeys doing is they've got the same issues McDonald's and all the fast food does. They need to cut costs. They need to figure out a way to run leaner and, and simpler and more efficient and keep that customer satisfaction happy. And we're in a day and age where time is so limited. So taking that uh, grocery cart and it's got the scales and the weights and the pricing and the checkout and everything in it, first of all, the, the, the carts are much smaller. So um, you're going to be probably stacking it a lot higher. Two, it's got the, uh, you know, you're kind of pushing around a computer. <laughs> you know, if you've, seen the, if you've seen the device, it's kind of got its own iPad and it's got a little uh, uh, a tap and pay. That's, to my opinion, where we are in our day and age of technology, it seems very dated. Um, I look at an Amazon store in California and what they're rolling out across the U.S. You walk in with your registered account. It sees who you are. You pull an item off the shelf, whether it's beans or uh, you're taking it from the bulk section, putting it in a bag, and you weigh, the weight of it is instantly calculated, and you walk out. There is no calculating about that. So this is, this is just what I'm trying to make a point of is this is great. I think it's wonderful. I think the technology and the investment Sobey's doing, if I was sitting in their board of uh, directors table going, look at what we're doing to revolutionize the experience. I think it's smart in one perspective and the other. I think we just wasted thousands, if not millions of dollars. Adam, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on the fact that you think it's a job killer. I don't. I think it's a job creator. I don't know if you've been to the self-checkout lately, but if you picture everybody walking around with a self-checkout that's attached to their grocery cart, they're going to be followed about 10 paces behind by a grocery caddy that will be telling them, oh, no, I'm sorry, it's not working. You did it wrong. Let me just fix that for you. <laughs> that's true. And there's going to be, a, now let's understand the job creation is going to be built in. It's broken. Um, yeah. I, my, my iPad's not working well. Hey, guess what? My entire grocery cart it's free today. I mean, the so, good thing yeah. is you're not going to be lonely because there's going to be somebody following you around to help you when the computer breaks down. 100%. But those individuals are going to be probably paid in that 20 to $30 an hour wage versus the someone working at a minimum wage up to a $20 wage that is, you know, kind of running out, running the, uh, the cash through. So it's going to create, uh, let me be clear, job killer in a lower scale, but a job creation in, a, uh, in an intellectual, uh, uh, technical, skilled trade. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of jobs for that. That's, that's the message for stay in school, kids. You're going to need it. Adam, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kelly. Cheers. Adam Oldfield is our 640 Toronto tech expert.